Our heartbeats have slowed back down after a thrilling Stars victory over the Minnesota Wild. Hello, everyone. It's the post-game edition after Game 4, Stars versus Wild. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan, joined by EP Ringside, Shap Shots, D Magazine, author of multitude of Stars books. He's Sean Shapiro. How's that heartbeat for you, Mr. Shapiro? You know what? Uh, I love playoff hockey. Yeah. It's great. I also feel that uh, Jake Ottinger's uh, glove stop late in the game. Uh, my uh, my uh, editor over at D Magazine, Mike Pelusi, took that as a moment to plug my story from earlier this week. So sometimes you feel a little bit vindicated <laughs> when you uh, when when you when you uh, when you write certain things and you're like, okay, this is uh, this is how this is this is how I think things are going to play out. So yeah, no, absolutely. If the, if that one went in and the deflection gods were not in our favor tonight, because that first one with Klingberg, uh, everything was going great, and then Lindell bats a puck out of the air, goes right onto the stick of probably the person on the wild you don't want to go to the stick. You say what you will about John Klingberg, he's got a great shot, and uh, wow. Uh, I don't know what to say about Ottinger. I mean, I've always thought top tier, elite, whatever you want to call him. Um, I mean, I, I think even though it wasn't a shout out, shut out without Jake Ottinger, especially early, mm-hmm. this thing is three one going back to Dallas. Um, just the composure you've pointed it out several times, and you've done stories on this, Sean is one of the things is his composure and just the subtle smile after some of those saves. Even yeah. even even the one save where um, defenseman hit it into the zone, and boy, the, probably his easiest stop of the night almost tied the game where it bounced up and, you know, he had to grab it. But even then, he, I th- he looked up at the replay and kind of smiled. Yeah, it's... Uh, I love the way he plays the game. I love his attitude. I love the uh i love the subtle just like the way when he makes a big save he just throws the puck to the dot like it's something where as a team playing in front of him it's got to be great like and i know i've talked to stars players it's great playing in front in front of jake because the attitude and the mentality he brings and the way he just like calms everything down and shakes everything off it's 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 awesome and he's so technically calm in the biggest moments i've been re i was re-watching the um re-watching the, the that save at the end there and you just see how there's no like stars fans in the past have seen have seen the uh have seen uh like anton hudobin in the past and he gets he hits scramble mode and stuff like that and i just re-watched that save multiple times from the end and the way the technique yeah. And the composure in those moments at the end, it's it's awesome to watch. He actually made that save easier than it actually was. How quickly yeah. he got over there and then spreading yes. his body um, yep. like he did. It wasn't like he flashed the save. He was over there quick. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah, when you slow that down, just showing how big he made his body, uh, just in- incredible uh, technique. Well, let's give credit on Spitz and Suds. Um Sean Shapiro does not get credit for saying when the stars win and that fired up the wild. And we had to do that post game when wild fans went crazy over Sean's article, but let's give credit on Friday night when Sean said, I think it's time that they should sit Colin Miller. 
even though you mm-hmm. did want Lundquist in, and I agreed. Coming into yep. tonight's game, Pete DeBoer made a change. Joel Hanley gets the start instead of Colin Miller. Yeah, I uh, Colin Miller needed a break. Um, definitely, I'm, I'm, I think that's that was the right decision. Um, now, the decision to put... Uh, Hock and Pond Lindell together. Yeah, and yeah. put in the decision to put Hanley in over Lundquist. Um, I can understand it. Um, I think either way, Miller needed a break. I would have liked to see Lundquist, um, especially for the way he moves the puck. Now, to defend Pete DeBoer and to understand why they made this decision on Hanley, one of the great things about Joel Hanley. And it's the reason he has been, he's the ideal number seven for any NHL team. Joel Hanley, like Joel Hanley will, could have a long NHL career as a number seven. Yeah. He cannot have played for Joel Hanley will give you the same game, whether he played the last 82 or he hasn't played in three months. And that is one of Joel Hanley's strengths. Yep. And I think for the stars coaches, I, there's still a bit of a fear and a wild cardness to Nils Lundquist. And the fact of the matter is, you know what you're getting with Joel Hanley when you play him. And I think that was, they went with the confidence of consistently knowing what they'll get as opposed to risk versus reward with Nils Lundqvist. And I, you can't, they won two to one. Hanley did his job. You can't say anything, take anything away from Joel Hanley at all, but uh, not even, but like it was, I understand where that decision came from just still, Long-term, there's always that Lundquist discussion to have. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. No, keep going if you need to. No, no, no. no that's, okay. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, a couple of things I wanted to point out that did not happen in Friday night's tilt was two of the Stars' goals, Gustafson was screened and screened. Mm-hmm. The first goal, both, uh, I think it was Sagan and someone else was in front of the net. Might have been Hintz. And then the second mm-hmm. was a Hintz smartly driving by which carried the wild defender with him and you know some people might say that's a soft goal but after looking at that screen i don't know how you can see that puck i mean you look at the reaction itself by gustafson he didn't even see it it was late so have to point out dodonoff amazing trade by jim nil um three goals in this series all five on five goals tyler sagan what can, what can we say? Going in for Joe Pavelski, working hard. I thought he earned those two goals tonight, and that's what I'm impressed. I mean, uh, Sean, you've been in around this league for a yeah. long time. Certain players don't want to change their game. Uh, I feel like Tyler Sagan has come to the point where, you know, and he's been like this for a while, whatever it takes for this team to win. Yeah, it was... Tyler Sagan deserves a ton of credit for stepping into Joe Pavelski's spot. I think there's been some, a little bit of a learning curve there, not necessarily for him, but more so for Henson Robertson to go from playing with um, Pavelski to playing with another guy, but in front of the net, the way he's handled some of the things like the two power play cash ins tonight, really reminiscent of what Joe Pavelski normally brings. Um, It was a strong, it's been a strong series for Tyler Sagan, who I think is, Every time Tyler, Tyler is very internally driven. Um, and I think every time Tyler goes out there in the playoffs and it's the reason he battled through the injuries and, and, and dragged himself through in that 2020 bubble when he was injured and all the postseason surgeries, Tyler 
remembers what happened in 2016. What it's it's kind of fitting, not fitting, but like the what happened with Joel Erickson Eck, right? Where yep. he tried to come back last game and only played 19 seconds and then and is basically done for the series and probably even longer. It's very reminiscent of what happened with Sagan in 2016 when he tried to come back, was hurt in the regular season, tried to come back and just couldn't do it. And Tyler plays with a lot of that internal drive from what could have been in 2016. And I think we see a lot of that where you're never going to, when it comes to playoff time, he's in a playoff mode. He learned all about it from the Boston Bruins when he was 19 years old. He, he shows up at the biggest times. His body may not, his body may have failed him and taken away what Tyler Sagan could have been for the longevity of his career, as far as the point per game guy throughout regular seasons, but give him credit. He always shows up in the postseason and he steps up in those roles and he was good again tonight. Like yeah. the, the goal, the goals are just a highlight of how good he's been, of how good he's been since Pavelski's gone out. Yeah. All right. So we always say we're not a cheerleading podcast. I'm just going to throw it out there until the first penalty on Felino for interference. I thought the wild were controlling this game. I actually sent out a tweet that basically referenced as such. I'll pull it up right now, just quote myself. And I said, uh, I said, uh, you are the team with their speed, skill, and puck management that is supposed to have odd man breakouts and breakaways, offensive pressure. Tonight, they are beating you with your own playbook. Elite goaltending is keeping the stars in this. Did you feel the same way? 100%. I, I did think there were some, um, and after we finish up this podcast, I'll go through and and, and write that up, but I did think there were some um, signs of better transition in the mm-hmm. first period. Um, the the Stars could have been up 2 nothing early, honestly, with uh, yeah. um, Thomas posts. Harley Thomas Harley at the post, uh, Wyatt Johnson at the post, two good little transition plays, um, but unfortunately, those are just, those were an outlier as opposed to the the norm and the stars really need to make those more of the norm going forward. Those little transition plays that in, in, in clean entries. Um, but overall, I mean, Jake Ottinger, Jake Ottinger kept the stars in this game early on. And then he obviously made the big stop at the end. Like the stars needed their goalie to show up and he did. Mm-hmm. And this was a classic example too, of the way this is the type of game that would not have happened right or wrong, and I'm not defending one coaching style over the other, I'm just telling the truth. This is the style that would not have happened against a Rick Bonus coach team. A Rick Bonus coach team is built more in a 1-1-3 neutral zone four check, or at least he was with Dallas, where those chances don't happen. But your defensemen don't jump into the play. I mean, at one point in the game tonight, Yanni Hockenbaugh had a chance, almost had like a pseudo breakaway. That's yeah. something that would have never happened under... Rick bonus, but so Rick bonus's system doesn't give up breakaways like this. Pete DeBoer's system gives up breakaways like this occasionally because you are trading chances the other way. When you are not trading chances the other way, like the stars were, are, haven't done enough the past couple games, that's when it just becomes a bad system. So the stars system, they need, need so much to get their offensive going. I mean, at even strength right now, I think their only five on five goals are by dad and all of uh glenn denning and hints i think right yep. I, yeah. I, if I, I, so it's that that is unacceptable um the stars have they're two two they're going home there's still the call out especially at five on five where's jason robertson 
Yeah. Where's Max Domi? And where's Max Domi? Yeah, because Max, Max Domi's like, had a tough series. Yeah, Max Domi has been Max Domi has been invisible since Mason Marchman got hurt in March, and even when Marchman comes back, Domi still hasn't been really who the guy they they thought they were trading for. So, stars need to be better at five on five. That's that's plain and simple. And honestly, I know it's going to be. Let's let's talk about the penalties because it's gonna be it's gonna be a space that it's already I'm already looking on Twitter and oh yeah Felino and Felino used the are are we allowed to uh, quote him properly on this What's our are do we have like uh, we know, are you're the radio we are okay we're allowed yes, I'm allowed to say we cool. are I'm allowed to, okay yeah, we are so so Felino called the calls the called the penalties bullshit in his post in the in post game and honestly looking in a vacuum the first one was a bullshit call. Yeah. Like it just, it, it, it was, it was, especially how the game had been called. That was, that should not have been a call. Now the refs tried to make up for it later. Like I truly believe that's the reason they gave Harley the penalty at the end of the, at the end of the period, because yeah. they wanted to make, give a makeup call. But the fact that that was a penalty, that's, that was a bad, that was a bad call. Um, I also was pretty surprised that, Felino was the only one. I, th- I think Felino deserved the penalty, but I was surprised that the stars got away without it going four on four because of Marchment raised the stick pretty high t- to the head. I thought in the area, so I thought stars got away with one two that set up the other one. Now, all of that being said, and hopefully, as a stars fan, you haven't deleted this from your podcast feed after that commentary. Uh, <laughs> the uh, I do want to give credit to Pete DeBoer on this because so much of this series has been the Dean Evison versus Pete DeBoer legal battle almost mm-hmm. where Dean talks about the Nevisons talks about the stars diving. Pete talks about them being a penalized team. It's, it's a very, it's there, there's, there's a, there's a game that's getting in the media, but the media parroting is only is actually just um, amplify is, is just kind of an echo of what's really happening on the bench where the stars coaches during the game and during the, around the when they talk to the referees they're pointing things out like this the wild coaches are pointing out diving around the stars and everything like that and felino after i mean felino diving last game getting the call for diving and then mocking it last game it's one of the worst things he could have done because he's he lost a lot of goodwill with officials by doing that great point and and so felino's own actions combined with pete DeBoer's um uh posturing have put the stars in a spot where when Hockenpah does go down on that play, the officials are naturally looking to make the call. It's it's so whether you like it or not, it's just, it's part of the gamesmanship of it, gamesmanship of it. And the stars to, and so credit to what Pete DeBoer has done and also credit or blame, whichever depending on which side of the series you're reading on to Felino for putting himself in that situation as well. So I don't like the calls, honestly, as a hockey fan, I don't want those to be called. I also, as someone who has watched this series and watched how things have interacted, I get why they were called because of the human narrative is technically not supposed to impact the calls, but referees are humans, players are humans, coaches are humans. This is all humans at the end of the day. So it can't just be robotic. When when officials have seen how Felino's how Felino and has been handled all series and they've been hearing from the stars coaches about it. And at the same time, the wild are complaining about they're not penalized. That doesn't surprise you that that call is made. And so it's okay. It's, it's not, not okay. is the wrong word. Like 
I don't like the penalty in the vacuum, but I also want to be clear that it's also not, it's, I mean, teams win and lose games for very various reasons. The stars had some bad calls against them too. Yep. Um, the, in multiple games, in other games in Minnesota. So like, I don't like talking about officiating too much on this because I think it all frankly evens out in the end, but it just gets amplified and it's going to be a talking point and stars fans are going to have to endure hearing it from national pundancy and everything like that until Tuesday, because everyone's going to be talking about the bad calls. And that that's kind of a shame because it takes away from some of the other parts of this game. Yeah. It's, it's an emotional response from stars fans and wild fans. Every time something happens, I mean, you could hear the crowd reaction every time there was a, a hit that wild fans thought weren't clean or, and we had the same thing in Dallas. I I would just Mm -hmm. say this. I think, I think you and I agree that the refereeing has not been great in this series. Yeah. Um, however, I don't think it's been one-sided. I think there have been a lot of missed calls for both teams. And I think there were some calls made tonight that did go against the wild. And, uh, that interference that led to the first hour stars power play goal that was a big call. So, I mean, it is what it is. The bottom line is, is I thought as the game got better, the stars got better. Um, a couple things. First, we mentioned the Pete DeBoer. You know, as a coach, yeah. it's a tough decision to sit a guy like Colin Miller, who's been there for you throughout the whole season. So credit there. It's not might not be talked about, but let's look. 346, third period. DeBoer calls a timeout during a power play. Stars score after that timeout. I thought that was a, because a lot of people could say, why are you resting the wild penalty killers? You know, I mean, come on, let's push it. But I thought it was a key timeout, a key time to regroup, and the Stars went on to score a goal. No, I, I actually like the, especially with with how the stars are running right now, because the stars really don't have two clicking power play units. If the stars had two clicking power play units, I'd be like, okay, you know what? Kind of roll it. Cause mm-hmm. you got one and two going back to back. But since the stars are kind of more of a, a, uh, since the stars only really have one unit rolling right now, I'm okay with that because I feel like that spins things in your favor. And it did. And you did. And the stars scored and they won the game. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So we talked about Sagan. We talked about the Donoff. We talked about DeBoer. Um, we talked about the screens on Gustafson. Now it comes back to Dallas and should be a rocking barn on Tuesday night. By the way, Sean, why are we going Tuesday and then Friday? Uh, is there anything at the, I think, I believe it's uh because remember, we're going back to. Oh, is it a Minnesota to, conflict with the arena? I, I, I believe. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see what the calendar is. I can actually pull it. It's. Uh, well, it's this. Let's see. Well, there's not. I don't see anything on the calendar for it for XL hmm. Energy Center for that game. Maybe they're doing <laughs> it to plan out a game seven on Sunday. Well, game seven would be Sunday. Yeah. If in Dallas, if the case, but and. Maybe it may be a TV. It may be a TV thing. I will have to look at it because it's something where it's and maybe it's a day to build things in. But it's I don't know. It it is kind of odd to see see it kind of built in that way. 
Not to mention an earlier start time on Tuesday. Wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. You, Gavin, are you ready for like, like we're, we're recording this one right now. Uh, 12 minutes before the past two games would have started. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. It's a beautiful Gosh. thing. I know. <laughs> I was cruising into the station during daylight today and I was yeah. like, this is great. This it's is amazing. This, this is amazing. <laughs> All right. So do you foresee any more changes for the star stars or for the wild coming up in game five? Um, my one question would be is was the what was the plan coming in with uh with joel with, with joel hanley was the plan going in to was the plan was the message to colin miller colin you're gonna sit one game watch from up top then come back in refreshed and for for game five and, and like so th- that would be my one question my question I, I you know everything else i believe stays the same the question would be what was the messaging the coaching staff sent to colin miller was this a one game reset for colin miller or was this a we're giving Joel Hanley a legit shot chance to win playing time going forward. So I, I don't know what the internal thinking was um, and what the internal think and who plays in that spot, whether it's Hanley or Miller in game five will greatly tell us what the mindset was for the coaching staff here. I'm also interested to see if the stars can apply a lot of pressure on Gustafson, because if you look at you know this game, um, we definitely saw some cracks. Uh, granted, there were some uh, nice screens set by, the stars, but that game three really wasn't tested. Game one, obviously, we saw what happened. So, uh, but do they? I, yeah. The other, the other thing is, and I don't think they will, but because they've rotated them all year, do they go back to Flurry? Just, just like I mean, it's, it's. I think that's I, a job loss right there by Dean Evison, or puts him on a hot yeah. seat that doesn't need to be. Yeah. I mean, if he goes yeah. with Gustafson, in my opinion, if he continues with Gustafson, I don't think Wild fans can be angry. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I agree. I would not go back to Fleury, especially after how he looked that game. But I just, I think it's a fat, I think it's at least a talking point because they've rotated things all year. And then the first time they didn't really rotate was after Fleury lost a game and then they gave Gustavin. And, and so maybe you look at it as a loss and mm-hmm. you go back. I, I, I don't, I wouldn't do it. And I'm not co-signing it at all for Minnesota. I just, I, I think I have to wonder if that is in play at all. So, so it was interesting because they brought up on the broadcast tonight, uh, Razor brought up Matt Boldy, and mm-hmm. we talk about Robertson and being critical. I don't know if I'm a wild fan if I can be critical of Matt Boldy because he's got a lot of shots on net. They're just not going in. But I mean, I personally, yeah. and I'm a fan of his, so maybe I'm coming across you know with different set of eyes. So I wanted to get your thoughts, but. I thought he's been really good for the wild despite not putting it in the net. No, he's been very good. He's been one of their best forwards. Yeah. I've been, I've been, as I says, people may have read and I've been like nerding out on looking at the, on how players handle transition, which I think is a really good reflective way of how players control the game. And I mean, Boldy continues to be one of their better players, attacking the zone, creating play, things going in the right direction. I mean, I, yeah, I don't, I can't really, he's just, he hasn't been finishing in the playoffs and I don't know. I can't really, uh, Matt Boldy's not my problem if I'm the Minnesota wild. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, All right. So. And finally, can you promise not to provide any bulletin board yes. between now? So you're telling stars fans, <laughs> all articles will be from a neutral side of view. 
I mean, I, you know, Gavin, I cover things the way I see them. It's always going to be that. It's, 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 it's always gonna, it's always going to be that way. I and love it. It's 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 penalties tonight were bullshit. I think Jake Ottinger was going to win this series. Like those things are both true. Yeah, right? yeah. So, no, so. you're absolutely right. Boy, I'm watching that second Felino hit against Marchment, and they yeah. slowed it down. How is that tripping? Unless unless he yeah. caught him with his feet that you can't see, but whew. yeah. 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 Uh, wow. Interesting. You're a beast. Let's plug the book real quick. Um, great stories about Texas and the AHL and stories galore. If you're a hockey fan and you love hockey stories, which I do tell us about the book. Yeah. Go check out, uh, it's called we win here. The definitive essays you need about the Texas stars. And it's a, it's if you're a Texas stars fan, you probably already should have bought it. If you're a Dallas Stars fan, it's a great connection between Dallas and Austin and Cedar Park and how the franchises connect. We go through things like Jamie Ben's playoff impact with Texas in 2010 about how Jake Ottinger's kind of rise is so much uh, really being able to land in the on the right footing in Dallas was kind of required. It kind of needed the the falling of Jack Campbell. Um, Obviously, I'm the author of it, so I'm a little bit biased, but it's 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 worth the read. It's uh, it was fun, and honestly, I'll say it this way too: if you're listening to this podcast, you love stars stuff, you love reading stuff. The more books we sell, the more we uh, the more the more we uh, think, hey, maybe we do something more at another point. So I'll just I'll just keep that out. I'll throw that out like there it. too. I, I like <laughs> it. And for those stars fans listening, I'll be appearing with Sean and RJ tomorrow at 9.20, so we'll give a nice plug to Spits and Suds, and we'll talk about this game and also preview Tuesday night's game. You're a beast, man. As always, appreciate the late nights and uh, doing this playoff thing with us. Really appreciate it. It's been fun. Well, uh, big game big game on, uh, t- on uh, Tuesday. Big game. <laughs> so, the barn will be <laughs> rocking. Everyone, get out of work at a good time on Tuesday. Tell your boss, I need to be in the barn early because it's an early start. And uh, the crowd makes a difference. So uh, the Wild, I mean, I give them a lot of credit. Minnesota was rocking this weekend, but we know the AAC will be rocking as it was in game one and two. So that's going to do it for Spits and Suds. And we look forward to the week ahead. Huge week ahead for hockey fans and Stars fans. Thank you, everyone, for supporting and spreading the word about this program. And we will talk to you later. Have a good night, everyone.